The Dog Point Podcast, Episode 6. Today, co-hosting with me, my son, Michael. Hi, everyone. How to describe him? Um, social media manager, videographer, <laughs> editor, full-time son. And um, my name is Mark. I'm your host, and I train dogs. He does everything else. So today's topic, um, I want to talk about what happens after training. Because it's something that is oftentimes getting lost on people. So when you train a dog, it requires that the owner, after the training session, practice practices what was taught. Right. And it doesn't end when the dog is trained. So even if I am as as the trainer, as if I'm finished with the dog, so the dog has all the obedience and everything the client asks for the dog is doing, that doesn't mean it's over. And people seem to be under the impression that, okay, the dog is trained, so I don't have to do anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And the dog will just listen for the next 12 years. right? And it doesn't work like that. Okay, so you have to keep it up. There is... A lot of dogs that were doing great, that a few years later do terrible because what they learned was not practiced. Okay? Um, and it, it's unnecessary. It, it's totally unnecessary. Once a dog was at a decent level, it's simply to maintain it. Five minutes a day will do that. You know, if you practice five minutes a day, once or twice a day, your dog will always stay sharp and, and quick and, you know, respond properly and remain non-reactive if he was reactive at some point. And so I want to drive home the point to, to people that you have to work with your dog and it's, it's for multiple reasons. One, the dog has to keep remembering it and since we utilize muscle memory to train the dog, you know, if you stop practicing, things get rusty. And two, mentally, the dog needs to keep practicing. It's a mental exercise, and it it deepens the bond with the handler. Correct. Right? You see it with, with my dog, Force, all the time. Yes, he's in the bedroom, and yes, we're all chilling and watching TV and relaxing. But if I tell him to go on his pillow, he has to go on his pillow. And I'm insi- insisting that he goes on his pillow. If I call him up on the bed, he can jump up on the bed. He can watch TV with us. But when it's time to go off, it's off. It's not maybe. And so that in itself is a training session. It's insisting on the little things will keep him obedient. Yeah, what a lot of people don't even realize is that you can have tiny or micro training sessions so something as simple as just a five minute session once there's a high level of engagement between you and your dog or dogs mm-hmm. that can be more effective than an entire half an hour or hour long training session where either you or the dog is not mentally in it correct and it's little things um when i release a dog out in the yard before that door opens, they have to sit. 
Right. Then the door opens, they have to wait. And then on command, they get to go out. It is little things like that. The, and the sum total of all those little things keep your dog obedient. Even in other commands that you may not have used in your daily routine. Right. But if the dog is accustomed to look at you for guidance and, you know, okay, what do you want me to do next? You know, if I tell the dog free or yes and release the dog, then they can move on their own and pretty much do what they want. Run around in the yard, have zoomies, pee. Yeah, Elena loves you know? zoomies. Oh, yeah. Force too. Yeah, Elena. Force does two laps around the house at blinding speed. Yeah. For a dog his size. Which is part of the reason why he's injured. Was. was yeah, was. was injured. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was raining. <laughs> it was raining and the yard, well, the grass that we're on right now, was extremely soggy. And he didn't get his foot out of the mud, his rear leg, out of the mud in time. And there was a garbage truck. And Force was pretty young at that point in time. And him being him... And being a juvenile ignoramus, he rushed after the garbage truck or the dump truck. And we actually didn't even know anything was wrong with him or that that was the source of the injury until later on. Because he naturally has a high pain tolerance or threshold. So it was only after when we took him to the vet. Yeah, he was he was favoring one leg a little bit. And yeah. At first, I thought, well, he, maybe he sprained something, and then got him checked out, and it turns out he injured his ACL. So he had operation subsequent to that, and had his recovery period, and he's slowly re-entering training, and right now he's back to doing zoomies. Yeah, so, happily. So yeah, he's fine, and it's not that anything swells afterwards or. You know, he slows down after or he's limping after the zoomies when he when the adrenaline subsides. He's fine now. Right? He's running around, he's doing everything and he's doing it happily. So I'm glad for that. So he can resume his training a little more intensely now. And we have some catching up to do because next year we want to do a BH with him. And so and maybe some other working titles. So we have to Put the, the pedal to the metal yeah. and start working more intensely with him now. And I also want to do a BH with Elena. So we have our work cut out for us. And Elena definitely, definitely has the insane energy to do that. Oh yeah, she has drive for two dogs. She's a Malano and a Rottweiler body. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I just wanted to, to mention this so that dog owners... After they get their dog um, trained, understand that it doesn't end there. Yeah, it's a continuous process, d- 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 lifelong. Lifelong, right? Always practice with your dog, right? We will touch other other subjects uh, subjects as well mm-hmm. today. Um, we have a bit of a unusual podcast today because we were starting a lot earlier, but due to a technical glitch. We end up under the lights, so it's going to be a little mm-hmm. unusual. And we live in a tropical climate, so if you see the one or the other bug flying through the lights, forgive us. This is just the climate we live in. Yeah. Um, 
but what we didn't want to do is not do the podcast yeah definitely okay so um one other subject i saw a video on another trainer's page and it's a child holding the head of a dog and squeezing the daylight out of the cheeks like oh no. really grabbing oh and no. the child is crying the child is upset with something and it's grabbing the dog and that parent had nothing better to do than to film it with the phone that dog's mouth is as close to the little toddler's face as this microphone is to mine yeah and a lot of people these days they just love to post everything that they think is cute online to get the social media attention even if it means endangering their child and we actually previously spoke about this on episode 5 of the dog yeah. point podcast and the way when if you see it, the way this child is holding this this dog's head right and you could see the dog is really uncomfortable one bite and that child no longer has a face yeah okay just die and the parent is there with a phone filming i mean i'm trying to wrap my head around that level of stupidity that is taking place there you know it it, it is inconceivable why why would you not you know remove that child from that situation immediately drop the phone and grab your child remove your child from the dog put your arm in between better the dog bites your arm than the child's face yeah unfortunately it's you a know, problem globally and it's all for a few likes and a viral video come on man this is crazy this is absolutely crazy people putting their children in danger over a video yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i i guess it's an age thing with every year that i age my tolerance <laughs> level for stupidity drops right <laughs> that is just nuts and but even when i'm on social media and i see things like this it frustrates me and i see that i go oh no or i'm almost cringing because I'm expecting something bad to happen because yeah, yeah. I can see the dog's body language in the video. I can see the dog tensing up. I can see the dog kind of, you know, side-eyeing. I can see the... It's hard to describe, but besides body language, you can almost see it in the eyes itself. And people are often completely oblivious to dog's body language and that is actually one of the most important things to know when having dogs when being around dogs when training dogs because dogs cannot speak like us so mm, we have to read what they are thinking and what they are going to do based mostly on body language and that is something that I teach each and every one of my clients yeah cuz it's, it's, it's how essential. to read their dog because you need that going forward in life you need to see especially if you have a dog that's a little reactive or fearful right right you need to know when the dog is nearing threshold so that you know what to expect 
so that you know, okay, I have to stop this before it's before something happens. And on top of right? that, each each breed and each dog within a breed has different thresholds, whether it's just tolerance for a bit of stupid actions or pain threshold. Because yeah, it's an individual thing, right? Each individual dog is different. It's not even that you can generalize. Okay, this breed is this, and this breed is that. Because I have seen breeds that generally have a high threshold mm. of pain, for instance. Mm. I've seen Rottweilers mm. that are whims. Yeah, right. That, that the slightest thing they cry for, and you know, sometimes it's accompanied with a with a little dose of fear okay it's not just the pain right you know but and there's other dogs that you know put away things and look at you straight and it's like okay that's it you know there are some some dogs at the vet getting a vaccination and they stand there like we done and not only is it down to the breed an individual dog from a dog's perspective, it's also based on who they're interacting with. Because, force for example, he would allow he would allow dad or myself to touch him in certain places to inspect. You know, if if we rough play, for example, but he will not tolerate that from the vet. No, or anybody else. <laughs> yeah, he won't. No. And because of his operation. And he associates his last operation with a with a particular room. If he enters that room, or if he sees that he's entering that specific room that he had that operation with, operation in, he immediately goes into protection mode yeah, to protect he, he himself. Gets defensive. One That's time. why we have to sedate him outside of that room. Yeah. You know. Luckily, that place we only went to for the operation. His, his general vet is a different place, so it's not much of an issue. Um, he's just he's a dominant dog that doesn't like to get dominated, and touch is a form of domination. So he does not accept anybody else to touch him other than myself, you, mummy. Right? The three of us. And that's about it. He is not... He, I can walk him through any any number of, of crowd and he's fine. He's not interfering with anybody. I can put him in a, in a down. In the crowd. In a thick crowd that can walk around him and he's fine. He's not flying up at anybody. However, touching him is a different thing. Yeah. And from what I understand, his sister is like that too. Right, yeah. One of one of her sisters, right? She's she's like this too. She doesn't like to get touched by anybody else. And again, this highlights the variation. And in this case, it highlights the variation within the same litter. Yeah. And then there's I don't want to say it's a stark contrast, but another example of this difference within the same litter is Frank. Now, while Frank still isn't going to allow just any and everybody to touch him and inspect no. him in certain places, obviously not, right? Most well, he's a, he's a lot more that. social. He's a yeah. lot more social than forces. He's a lot more social. And he once he knows you and is properly introduced to you and he sees that his owner is comfortable with you, 
he is going to love you yeah. like there's no tomorrow. And I'm obviously I'll be extremely biased towards Force and I love him because of his goofball self. But I have to admit that Frank as a little mate is better in that regard. Yeah, he's more social. Right? He's he has less um problems with being touched. Yeah. Right? And look at their father. He goes to school outreach programs where children he's never Echo. met pet him, right? Mm-hmm. With the owner there. Of course they can't hug him and they can't, you know, give him kisses and all of that. Yeah. That, that would take it a little too far. Mm-hmm. But he will lie down and he will allow people to, to pet him and to touch him. Just for right? context, everyone, for those of you who are first-time listeners and may not know, Echo, who we're referring to, his full name is Echo Van Het Van Gaat, and he is Force's father, or sire. Mm-hmm. And he is, essen- well, he is part of the essential blueprint as to why Force is so amazing. True. Echo has been in numerous um, TV commercials. Um, just did one recently. Yeah. Another one again. And school outreach. He has been in TV studios when Aaron gave interviews. and So he's accustomed to the lights and all. It. He's just an amazing dog. He's a, a true ambassador for the breed. Yeah. Right? And but it was also a lot of work. Mm. Echo was not always like that. He was a bit uh-huh. like he was a bit like Force when he was younger, right? It took a few years to get him to the point where he is now. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of work. Aaron did countless hours of, of training and, and socializing with this dog, right? Something that Force still has ahead of him. I so I still have to, to do a lot of work with him and you know, with operation and prior mm-hmm. to that lockdowns and all that. We didn't yeah. get to do that yet. So He's still a work in progress. So we will do all of that with him as well as um, Elena is super social. Elena, you can you can take her anywhere and she's quite happy. Um, she's not quite, you know, letting everybody touch her. It doesn't go that far. But you can take her in any advi- environment and she will function. Yeah, like what she actually loves to do is that she has her Kong which, by the way, you can get on our Amazon storefront. The link will be in the bio. And during the morning times, she has identified one or two neighbors that frequently walk on an early morning. So when she's outside, she will actually toss or launch the Kong over the gate for them to, to throw. throw it back in. <laughs> right? And she's essentially driving herself. She's, she's looking at them and like, hey, play with me. But at the same time, those people cannot enter the yard. She will not allow them to enter the yard and cross that boundary. Yep. She will roll the, bo- the, the Kong under the gate. Mm-hmm. And then they throw it back in and she's happily chasing it. And if she doesn't have the Kong around and they, the same people walk in the road, they pass the gate, she's all growling and snarling. Which, yeah, she's doing her job. So you will see that within a breed, within a litter even, you can get huge differences. So you should, one should never generalize um, when it comes to dog behavior. 
it's all about the individual in front of you. For me as a trainer, it's all about the dog in front of me. And whatever that dog needs, that dog gets. Right? So if a dog has high food drive and I'm working just with food, great. If I have to use a slip lead, I use a slip lead. If I have to use anything else, I use whatever I have to to help this particular dog. Right? You don't teach a, a, a one-and-a-half-year-old untrained mastiff to walk next to you and ignore other dogs with a flat collar. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, if unless, of course, it's a very docile mastiff, then you get it done. But if he's like the typical mastiff and is quite dog-aggressive by nature and has had no training as a puppy and no socialization as a puppy, it's going to be a tall order to do this just with a flat collar and a leash. Okay? So we will use what whatever we have to, to, to make that happen. Then, you know, because if we don't, the reality is, yes, you can do it long-term with other methods as well. Mm. I'm not disputing that. However, the owner... Or where the owner live, oftentimes don't have that time frame available. Yeah. You know, it's either the dog learns to behave or the dog has to go. And then the question becomes, go where? Right? Which is... Put the dog in the shelter and then what? Who's going to take this dog after? The dog still has to go for the learning process. The dog still has to go, right? And a shelter situation is poison for a dog-reactive dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, because now you add barrier aggression to it. Because dogs constantly pass the kennel door on their way in or out. And yeah. this is why Dad and I stress to everyone we speak to, whether it's online, through Dog Point, a client, or just a member of the public, always choose the right breed for your lifestyle and needs. That is absolutely vital if you know that you work most of the day but you still want a dog to chill with like a little couch potato research and choose some of the laziest breeds or typically laziest breeds you can find because when yeah. they're home don't, don't get the malano yeah no <laughs> complete opposite <laughs> don't, don't get the mal get get a breed like a basset home you know or the English Mastiff. Yeah, and conversely, if if you're into hikes and you're a very outdoorsy person and every weekend you're going somewhere on a, on a trek or on a hike or to the beach or, the, you know, climbing a hill or... German Shepherd. You know, German Shepherd, Malinois, you know, all those, those active breeds are for you because now you have an outlet for their energy, okay? And if you do this all the time and every weekend, then great, right? And... Then the next thing is when it comes to exercise, people talk about, yeah, I'm taking my dog for a walk. Dogs are very efficient movers. So if you have a high energy dog, walking your dog is not going to do much in terms of exercise. Okay, they need more than a walk. So you better serve the dog playing 20 minutes, half an hour game of tug and fetch in the yard and draw more energy out of that dog than a two or three hour walk. 
Yeah, mental mental and physical stimulation mm-hmm. in most engaging ways. Well, yeah, it and it builds engagement, right? So that means the dog wants to be around you even more. That means the dog will listen more. That means the dog becomes easier to train. Once you have engagement, you have a lot. Right? Without engagement, you don't have much. No, which you <laughs> always always emphasize because it's right? true. Yeah, and, and I tell all my clients that. Without engagement, you don't have much. So you have to work on engagement. You have to work on the dog making eye contact. You have to... And it's amazing how many clients say, well, um, with my previous dog when I got this trained, the trainer always told me not to look the dog in the eyes. What? And I'm like... Say that again. What? No. You want him to look at you. <laughs> right? Yes, your dog. From puppy. The dog makes eye contact. Here's, here's a cookie. Right? <laughs> you look at me more. I want you to look at me all the time. Right? That, tr- that trainer definitely mixed and up. Yeah. It, it's, I, it is my suspicion that that trainer was probably afraid of that dog and didn't want to make eye contact because the dog would have seen it as a challenge. Exactly. But if you have engagement with a dog, you know, eye contact is absolutely vital. That's why when I see people trying to train a dog wearing shades, I'm like, what are you doing? You're taking the most vital tool away by wearing those shades. The dog needs to see your eyes. Yeah, because they can't understand English or whatever language that person right? speaks. Most of a dog's communication is non-verbal. So how, how are you communicating with the dog if the dog can't see your eyes? It's crazy. The, the things people do out there is, is just nuts. Okay. It's different if you have the dog um, at the end of a leash and you're doing protection work and the dog is looking at the decoy all the time. Right? Yeah, you can wear your shades. Right? Because the dog is looking in a different direction. Not saying no. However, if it's obedience you're doing, take them off. The dog needs to see you. Body language is important. Super, super important. Which is why I like the, the virtual sessions so much more than the in-person sessions. Because if I'm... I've been at this for 40 years. 40 plus. So if I... If lots I, of dogs. Lots of... It's hundreds, hundreds of dogs. Yeah. Thousands of dogs. Over 3,200 clients. And if I... If I go and, and, and you know train those dogs I need them to to you know respond I need them to have engagement I need them to have it, it's a you build a relationship with the dog there are some customers dog that are as close to me as my own dogs you know so you have to work at it all the time all the time it's not constantly evolving process and as time you goes know. on, trainers globally discover new methods, yeah. new ways. Yeah, and in, in, in new the research is done. and in the virtual sessions, right? If I'm if I'm working with a customer's dog, what happens is that there are so many things that I've learned and done and and automatically do over the course of four decades that it's easy to forget to mention them when you explain how to do this with the dog to the yeah, client. Because, because they, they, they come yeah, they come automatic, right? Whereas if I'm behind a camera and I'm talking to the client and they handle the dog, 
then they have to work on their body language to get the dog to do what they need the dog to do. And so they'll learn right from the onset, you know, what brings which result. And they'll learn how it works and what they need to do, how they need to posture and everything in order to get the dog to do certain things. Right? Like a proper heel, a sit, a finish, and a down, and all those things. And by, by doing it themselves right from the start, they don't miss out on those things. And then I can point it out. See, you see how shift a little bit towards this side or, you know, reposition yourself a, a little bit. And then they do, uh, see how the dog's reacting much faster to this. And then they have the aha moment because they yes. see how they're Yes, and then they want to replicate that. And then every now and again, you remind them and then, bam, they have it. And then it also becomes easier if they get another dog. And because of how they slowly learn yes. the process of dog training, it, when it, you explain something, because of how they have learned yes. from the start, all this background knowledge, and I've seen it with their own eyes, when you explain, it's like, okay, that makes sense. They don't yeah. have to, t- t- they don't have to think in their brain, okay, I don't really understand, but I'll just do it because he's a dog trainer, so I'll do it because you know. Yeah, and you don't, you get less of the. Um the dog behaving perfectly fine with me. Yeah, the and bias. I, and then, and then when I when I leave and they try to do what I did, then the dog is giving them half that. And I say, well, I practice with him during the week, but he's not behaving the same way uh, as when you hear and yeah. you handle him, right? Plus, most dogs naturally so love you, almost to a fault. There's that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Not all, though. No, not all. That's for, not for, most. For, <laughs> some, for some stronger-willed dogs, they see me as a, as a problem. As the, initially. As threat, yeah. Initially, right? They take one look at me, it's like, mm, I'm getting some opposition there. Yeah. You know, I have to watch this guy. And you can't get away and overrule And you. then a session or two, and I win them over, and then they're super cooperative after. Yeah, but, because they realize but you food. Initially, when, when I'm walking in the yard, they look at me, it's like, who let him in? <laughs> you know? But yeah, so with, with virtual sessions, because they ha- they're the only ones handling their dog, then they get the result and, and the dog behaves the correct way with them right from the start. Because I'm teaching dog owners how to train their dog. In those virtuals, I'm actually not training the dog. I'm training the owner to train his dog or her dog. Whereas... If I'm in an in-person session and I'm holding the leash, then I'm training the dog. Right. Well, for the right? most part. The, the, the for the most part, yeah. yeah. I'm going to hand over the leash and have them do it and, and, and practice, so forth. Yeah. But I have noticed that in the virtuals, that aha moment and that mm-hmm. progress in the owner is mm-hmm. faster. Yeah, definitely. They make than, progress than in faster, the in-person, yeah. right? And that is a great thing. That is an absolutely great thing. Because then my influence is also not there over the dog. Right. Okay, it's it's a more p- pure version of it. So it, it it's more effective. Hard to 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 explain for me. Right? I think I could, I think Eng- I could. English is not my first my first language. So it is it is um, uh yeah, a, a more pure way of handling the dog. The, my influence is not there at all. 
would say it's other more than other than teaching the owner. I say it's I I I would say it's more effective because at the end of the day, the client is the one that needs to interact with this dog every day. Yes. The client is the person this dog is gonna see, and the client is the person that this dog has to listen to. So if the dog is basically trained via by the client, session, by the client, you get from everything. From the very start, they get everything. The dog is gonna know. Okay, I have to do this and this and this mm-hmm. for this person. For my well, you know, they can't think in English, but <laughs> but you guys get what we mean. Yeah, but if I want to get my food, this is what I have to do. Yeah, exactly. If I want to go for a walk, this is how I have to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to be in the house and and you know hang out with my owners, this is how I have to be. If behave. I want to be spoiled occasionally, <laughs> yes. If I want to get the you know the extra treats and the extra hugs and the extra pets and and all that and get a little spoiled, then this is how I have to behave in order to get it. If I want to go out for a walk, here is where I have to sit with the door wide open, and I can't just run out. Okay. I can't just bark at every stranger that, you know, they let in the house. Yeah, excessive barking. You know, I can't because I can't just bark my head off because the neighbor comes home. <laughs> right? He, neighbor comes home every day. There's no reason to bark for that. Okay? All those little things. And it's to, to point them out to, to the owners and... and at first, when people hear, you know, virtual sessions, so they're a little skeptical, of course, because it's a new thing and it, it started with COVID and, and people are like, how is he going to train my dog remotely? You know, <laughs> I'm not. You are training your dog and I'm going to show you how, you know. And I can demonstrate what I need you to do with one of my dogs so that people can get a, a visual on that. And then just repeated the um, repeat the task with the dog themselves, and so they get they get um, everything done. So I love I love virtuals for that. It, it's people get results. I even clients and after, enjoy it. And after the, the initial aha moment, where all that skepticism flies out the window the moment the dog responds to them. Then they're like, oh, this is great. Yeah, a lot of people... You know, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to be in traffic. I don't have to be in, in flooding rain. I don't have to be, Correct. you know, going no, in no class, you know, where, where I'm hot and sweaty and mm. all of that. I can do this from the comfort of my home and get results with my dog. Yeah, and a lot of people are skeptical at first because they think to themselves, how how can this possibly be done virtually? How can you train? What do you mean that you can train a dog virtually? But it's possible and clients have signed up and clients have had results. And as you've said, it's almost faster than in person because yes, they it do is. everything and they yes. build the bond and they build the engagement. Yes. With the dog. Because the first thing we do in those virtuals is mm. build engagement. Whether they have some engagement already or not, we're working on engagement first. Yeah. And even Larry To make Crone, sure that they have it. Larry Crone also said that he makes rapid progress with his phone consoles, with his virtual clients. Yeah. Because he shares some of his similar views in that owners are the handlers 
and they do everything one time. Yes. And he's just, you know, any background instructing and fine tuning based on their feedback and their video submissions. Yes. And it works great. It works great. I love it. I absolutely love it. And it can be done from anywhere in the anywhere world. Anywhere in the world. Anywhere in the world. You, you could be any anywhere country. in the world and, you know, can get your dog trained. So if you're listening and would like to sign up for virtual sessions, you can go to dogpoint.pet and you can actually book a free consultation. Yeah. It's a free 15-minute consultation. And then if you like it, you can book the full, cons- full one-hour consultation for only 65 years. Great deal. Um... And yeah, get your dog trained. Don't spend another day just, you know, wondering why Fido is not listening. And a lot of people who got dogs or puppies during the pandemic are finding this out the hard way. A lot of people mm-hmm. have been calling. And nothing is wrong with anybody calling. I'm just mean I just mean that a lot of people now have the same problem because of the pandemic. There are lots of dogs with separation anxiety, with behavioral issues. Tons. Tons of bad behavior due to lack of training, lack of socialization, and anxiety on the whole. Because people were home, there was constant contact, and then it's also a lack of sleep, right? Because people were trapped in their homes during the lockdowns and then got the puppy and then want to play with the puppy all the time. And so the puppy doesn't get the... 18 to 20 hours sleep it needs a day. Yeah, puppies need a lot of sleep to grow, just like babies. And, and so they, they turn into nervous and edgy dogs that are anxious. And then when the owner then goes back to work, then it's less, oh my God, where are you going? You know, you're supposed to be home. And then chaos ensues. And when they come back, the whole apartment is destroyed and everywhere is and poop and torn up couch pillows <laughs> and it's also a bit of a um, too much freedom too soon scenario right yeah um, you've you've seen it over the course of your life that I raise every puppy in the bedroom and it's a playpen then a crate and they sleep in the crate and then they have to earn their freedom. So I will have them on a pillow in the in the bedroom and I will leave the room for a little two, three minutes and come back. And if everything is still intact, good boy, here's a treat. For, no, for non-dog people, <laughs> when he says that they have to earn their freedom, that sounds a bit that sounds a bit harsh to the average person. What he means is that they have to earn certain privileges. Unsupervised time out. Yeah. They have to earn. Let's put it this way. Of course, they're, they're out of the crate, running around in the yard, but they're being supervised. Yeah. Right? Even in the house, they lose, but they're being supervised. And when they can't be supervised, they go in the crate. And and then they get a little five minutes at a time, unsupervised. And if they behaved well, then they get 10 minutes the next time, and then 15 minutes, and then 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour. And so over time, they earn my trust that I can leave them alone without them interfering with anything. And it also teaches your dog that it's okay to be alone at times. Right? My dog doesn't know, first doesn't know whether I'm going to the fridge to get a yogurt and come back to watch yes. TV or whether I'm going to work 
and I'm gone for six hours, or whether we film a podcast out here and then I come back home. He doesn't know. He's just peeved that he's done going with you. <laughs> he's on his pillow. He's like, where are you going? Almost like But I'm not, telling, I'm not telling him bye. I'm not telling him hello when I come back. Because it's those things that create the separation anxiety. No, no dog is you. born with separation anxiety. That is a condition that is created purely by humans. Right? And if you raise your dog correctly and teach your dog fight from, from little puppyhood that it's okay to be alone for a certain amount of time, then they won't get separation anxiety. It's as simple as that. But in some people's eyes, putting a dog in a crate for an hour or two, oh my God, you're so cruel. But the dog being stressed, producing cortisol like a champion for the six hours that you're in the office and he destroys your apartment, that's not cruel, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is that is okay. That is fine. We give him some Prozac and he will be fine. Right? <laughs> to me, that is just lunacy. Okay? And I will always utilize crates to, to, to raise my dogs. And it, it, it has worked for decades. I don't see why all of a sudden... You know, some some Karen can can tell me how that is so wrong, right? That's not gonna happen. And raising dogs, especially from the puppy stage, I don't wanna fully compare them to humans because they're not. You can't you can't do that because you make yeah, a lot of mistakes. They're not way. humans. They're But not. one aspect that they do share is that you have to ensure that they have a healthy proper development as a puppies because just like with humans that will I don't want to say establish but it will have a significant impact on how they behave and their mentality progressing on and while they mature yeah and how anxious or nervous they're going to become not because they're genetically like this but because the owner made them that way yeah right And and a lot of those things can be uh, easily avoided just simply by doing the right thing. An example of that would, would be like trauma. So a lot of times parents let the child play with the dog and, and, and lift the puppy up. And then the child, whether intentionally, for whatever sick reason or accidentally, you never know with children, drops the puppy. That is going to be, trauma that is going to be traumatic yeah, for the puppy. A drop can be enough for a puppy to dislike children all his life. Yeah. It happens very easy. Okay? It happens very, very easy. That's why children and dogs should never be unsupervised and children should be taught that dogs are not toys. You know, it's not something you pick up from the toy box, play with it for an hour and then discard it. It's not, no. Dogs are living beings and the respect has to flow to both ways. The dog has to learn not to run over the child and knock over the child. And be respectful to the child. But the child also has to learn to be respectful to the dog and not pull on the ears, tails, you know, grab the face and, and all those things. But we have talked about that at length in, in, length the, in the previous, uh, previous podcast, yeah. right? So I'm not going to stay too long on, on that topic. But raising a dog, you know, with some common sense, really, that's all that's required, some common sense, some guidance. We have so much free information out there on our pages alone 
and we are not the only ones obviously no. there are so many other trainers good trainers and 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 world renowned trainers that have endless videos that are free on their pages nobody really has any excuse to 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 raise a psycho dog this yeah <laughs> not really and <laughs> you know you also have a few minutes of google can fix that in training in training and raising your puppy into a dog or whether you got it as a uh, fairly mature dog it's variable so you have to gauge whether it's based on research advice from your trainer your own observations you have to gauge how intelligent and how driven your dog is how much guidance does your dog need how easy does your dog learn because that will i shouldn't say well that plays a vital role in how you are just your interactions and your training program for your dog or dogs because it doesn't make sense moving at the same pace and the same or with the same methods with, of course, a, you with have a highly to, you have intellectual adopt. dog you have to adopt there are some dogs that are highly intelligent and look, learn very quickly and it's easy to teach them and yeah. then there are some dogs where there's, there's just nobody home yeah school brain right <laughs> We always make the joke, you lift up one ear and you see the daylight shining through from the other side. Because some, some dogs are just <laughs> not smart. You can get that. You know, and that could be either... That could be in any, in any breed, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, again, it's an individual dog. If a dog is poorly bred and, you know, is bred from two stupid parents, chances, of the, <laughs> chances of the puppy being bright are slim, mm-hmm. right? Go to make sheep. <laughs> yes. Local slang, go don't make sheep. That's true. So, you know, of course you have to adjust your the way you train. So if I have a super smart Border Collie or Malinois or even Rottweiler that I'm working with, I can move a lot faster and with a lot more intensity than when I have the proverbial rug. Yeah, right? those, those That breeds. only moves when, when you rattle the football. Those breeds will definitely you see a lot of people what a lot of people a lot of people underestimate is that those breeds will have you at your limits in a sense that you always have to be on point. You always have to be ready mentally because they are so intelligent that you cannot let them yeah, outpace some, you. Some dogs are master manipulators. Of course. Like them little, them, them little multiples. Mm-hmm. They have their owners wrapped around their little paw. In no time flat. They know exactly how to Because they're small, so people believe, eh, a small dog doesn't really need training, which is a big mistake, right? And then the dog is very manipulative, and before you know it, oh, he doesn't like this food, and he doesn't like that food, and he doesn't really eat this, and he doesn't really eat that. Really? <laughs> okay, we can fix that. You know, but that is just the dog having learned that if I don't eat it, they give me something else. So I'm going to have them keep switching until I get something that I really like. And when I'm getting bored with that, I stop eating it again and then they bring me everything under the sun again until I find something that I like and then I eat that. And and so the dog develops this habit of being a very picky eater and only wants the best. You know, and this <laughs> is, that is the dog training the owner. 
rather than yeah. the, rather than the other way around, right? Which is what happens in some Yorkies are like this too. Yeses. You know, some Yorkies are super bright. I've I've had Yorkies that that I taught ten fifteen tricks on top of obedience because they were just really bright and willing to work. And uh, some dogs, <laughs> whereas some dogs you can watch them in their eyes and know that there's nobody upstairs, but other dogs you can watch them and you can almost see the yeah, intelligence. You can, yeah, and you like can you see, see the wheels turning behind yeah. the eyes, right? Yeah. You just take one look at this dog yeah, and, and you you know this dog is smart. This dog is smart. He's He's observant and he's just trying to figure me out, right? He's trying to figure out how he can possibly manipulate me. Of course, it, it will happen the other way around. But he will try. Okay? And those are the fun ones to work with. I like working with smart dogs. Yeah, because it's always a challenge. Yes, and I love a challenge. And, and oftentimes I love you a learn a lot from them. Yeah. Even when you thought Every you, dog. you've learned a lot. Every dog I train, I learn something from. That is why the the, the, the toolbox of training methods has become so large over the over the 40 years because i've i've come across some dogs that you get once every 10 years but i've come across four four three four of those dogs already so if i get number five man okay we know how to deal with you you know mm-hmm. we've done this before <laughs> and Part so you learn something new yes or He's teaching me something new. I know my own dogs, each and every one of them teaches me something. You know, and I always I'm always grateful for that. Yeah. Because that's how we progress. That's why I'm I'm constantly also on on online. You know, always searching for Research for and, yeah. new methods and and you know, oh, that's interesting. Let me try this out and see, you know, try yeah. working sometimes coming up with things on my own. You know, I mean, dog training is dog training, right? Teaching basic obedience is teaching basic obedience. Nobody is, at this stage, nobody is reinventing the wheel anymore. Okay? There are do's, there are don'ts, there's variations, but by and large, it's the same. Well, there are people right? reinventing the wheel, but they're not necessarily the most seen in yeah, the training methods. Yeah, there are some that think they're reinventing the wheel, yeah. but they don't show what they do. Exactly. They don't show what they do at all. As a matter of fact, all they resort to is telling everybody else, if you don't do exactly what I'm saying Within to do, paradigm, then yeah. you are a bad person. Yeah. And right? if you and that is just stupid. I'm sorry. This is just stupid. And if you go on our social media, because I see the comments all the time, there is bound to be some keyboard warrior that has their strong opinion and insists that you're wrong and that you can only do it this particular way, and you can cite, you can link, you can prove all of the research, all of the I don't studies, the articles, and yeah. I don't anymore. Right? Because you can't win with them. Social media is a great tool, mm-hmm. but it also has a great feature. Block. <laughs> Swipe. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> Swipe. Because... Those guys, they're not going to change your, their mind no matter how much you try to educate them, right? So, I no longer waste time on that. You believe what you want to believe, okay, great, right? You do you. I know what works. And I will continue to do what works. 
and I will continue to help dogs and I will continue to help clients help their dogs and I will continue to have dog owners where I go back to to them or uh, see them somewhere with their dog eight, nine years later. The dog instantly recognizes me and does everything that he has learned. The only time I might hear from them is, is okay, I got a new puppy and I want you to yeah. do I want you to do the introduction to, to my existing dog. Right? And then they get a, a, a short refresher with the new puppy and then they take it from there because they've done it before and it's stuck with them so much because they have practiced with the previous dog for all those eight nine years that they know exactly what to do with their next dog yeah they don't need me anymore for that and that is the whole idea right i want to i don't want to just train dogs and and get paid for it right and not leave the owners better off i want i want to train dog owners to the point where I teach them on their dog and any dog they get after that, they don't really need me anymore. They know what to do. That is my goal. Because the more educated dog owners out there, the less dogs suffer. True. And the ratio of dogs owned to trainers in existence is so skewed. There's so much more dogs than trainers. We cannot train all these dogs. So the only way to help a, a large number of dogs it's by spreading knowledge. is by spreading knowledge and educating dog owners. And if with every dog that I train, I can educate the owner to the point where he can train every subsequent dog himself, then I've done my job. That is one less person to worry about and whatever amount of dogs he will have, you don't have to worry about those dogs anymore. So, next. Well, and, sh- so, and so, you go down the road. The The goal is that uh, years from now, there is a, a huge number of educated dog owners out there. Which, for those of you who don't know, is actually one of the founding objectives for Dog Point. It was to educate, not only for just showing videos of training dogs, but it's to educate everyone throughout the world, as much people as we can reach, in as many forms as possible, whether it's the blogs on our website, dogpoint.pet, or on newsletter. our newsletter. Yeah, our newsletter, which, by the way, if you'd like, if you're interested, you can click the link in our bio or on our, our website and sign up for our newsletter. And then you have the Instagram page, the TikTok page, yeah. the Facebook page. And we constantly. We're trying to reach people everywhere with free videos just to, you know, learn something about your dog. If you need further help, if you need further advice, you know, contact us. That's what we're here for. But we have tons of free stuff out there. I mean, the podcasts are free. There's so much information that we put out there free of charge that it it's bound to educate some dog owners. Yeah. <laughs> There's just no way around it. I mean, we have, what, 200 posts, 200 videos out there. 200 plus. 200 plus. And that is since April. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's growing all the time. So, we're putting every every day, we're putting out stuff. So, you know, make yourself smart. Learn some something. If you like the podcast, for instance, or any of the videos, the more you hit like, 
the Modi algorithm will take us to other people Throughout so, the that, world, so yeah. that they can learn something about their dog. And for those of you who like to support us, you can support us for free. Just kindly, if you enjoyed this podcast or any of our podcast episodes, just kindly share it, recommend it to a friend. You can leave a review. That helps us in the algorithm. But moving on, I have a question for you because I think it's important for those who are listening out there to know. It's okay if you want to take a few seconds to think about it. What does it mean to you to be a dog trainer? Hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting question. If you... You're looking for a long answer or a short answer? Either one. What does it mean to me to be a dog trainer? Short answer is everything. It's what I live and breathe. I wake up in the morning thinking about dogs and I go to sleep in the evening thinking about dogs. Not that I don't think about my family. <laughs> right. right. But my whole life outside of family revolves around dogs. Since you're seven. I don't, I don't go out much. I don't go into clubs or pubs or anything like that, right? The only time I go out, it's it's really a, a, a get-together in the dog club where we cook something, <laughs> right? Birthday parties at home. Um, don't socialize outside of that much because I'm thinking of what more information dog owners need? You know, how do I help this dog in my appointment tomorrow? What I'm going to do with that dog? How I'm going to progress that dog? How I'm going to help the dog owner work better with this dog? You know, how do I get a, a dog owner to understand another principle in dog training so that he can build a better relationship with his dog? Those are the things that I think about. And this is what as I said, I live and breathe. So it, it means the world to me to train dogs. And I will do it until I'm physically not able to do it anymore. And J- even then you can do virtuals. <laughs> and even then I'm going doing virtuals from the wheelchair, right? <laughs> um, people ask me, so dogs are works. And if you can't, you know, work your dog, would you stop having dogs? No. Because then I will have somebody do the physical training with my dog, but I will still have a dog. The only time I won't have a dog is when I'm dead. I can't be without dogs. When I came to this country for nine months, I did not have a dog. It was the worst nine months of my life. It was the most miserable time because I did not have a dog to come home to until I rescued one. And we're, and that was Barkley. Right, I was not about to ask if it was Barkley. That yeah. was Barkley. That was a rescue Rottweiler. Right? For those of you who think he's... <laughs> well, I shouldn't say for those of you, but there are people online that seem to think that he's a buy-only type of person. No. He has rescued dogs before. Yeah, and I had mixed dogs. I had rescue dogs. Right? I volunteer in, in the local shelter all the time. And it's about giving back. Dogs have taught me so much, so I'm trying to give back some of that 
by volunteering time at a shelter and see if I can make a dog more adoptable so that that dog can find a, a, a good home. Not only just shelters, but sometimes I, I know some vets may call you in an emergency or a dog that they need an assessment on. Yeah. Somebody brought in a dog and, and they don't know how to handle the dog sometimes. And it's like... Or the dog may have attacked somebody and they need to know how yeah, psychologically how, sound How do we deal dog. with this yeah. dog? You know, how do we help this dog if we have to do something? If we have to give the dog a vaccine, and, but he wouldn't let us, you know, how do we go about this? And, and, you've, and so you've forth. even trained staff and yeah. had a lecture. I trained a, a, a safe handling course in the in the veterinary school. The teach is a train the trainer kind of course where the instructors were taught how to safely handle dogs so that they don't get bitten in the clinic. Right. You know how to how to teach a dog to like a muzzle, for instance. You know, as part of it. Well, some dogs. <laughs> I wouldn't say they like it, but they get they get taught how to be comfortable and okay yeah. and stress free. Yeah, yeah, stress free. You know, it started with 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 one of Aaron's dogs, Chewy. Yeah. Use some food to get him accustomed to the muzzle, and then put on the muzzle and feed him through the muzzle. It was a basket muzzle, and then Aaron took him for a walk. So every time. He was going to take him for a walk. He put on the muzzle. So that dog actually liked the muzzle. So he knew he meant he's because it meant walk. that he's going yeah, for a walk. So when, when Aaron pulled out the muzzle, the dog volunteered to stick the nose in it because, okay, come on, let's go. Yeah, because it's a positive, yeah. a positive he, association. He associated something positive with yeah. wearing the muzzle. And so, you know, you can you can teach a dog that it's not a bad thing. It's, no dog really likes a muzzle, Right? But those that that need it, they should be muzzle trained. Also, there's the right type of muzzle to get. Yeah, I like basket muzzles because dog can pant freely with it. They can drink water with it, right? Especially the the Baskerville, also available on our Amazon storefront. I like the Baskerville muzzles. Um, of course, it depends on the type of dog, right? So, yeah. I believe that every dog should be muzzle trained because you never know if your dog gets injured and you have to pick up this dog and this dog is biting to try and get out of that pain or out of that situation. Yeah. People have to understand, okay, there there might be times, it's not because I want to use it every day, but there might be a time where I have to put a muzzle on my dog. And if the dog is not accustomed to that and fights you, then it's going to be really difficult to get that muzzle on the dog. Especially if you're a lay person and you're not accustomed to doing it. And we hear and see about these stories all the time all the by time. vets. All vets, the time. Vets speak about it in length all the time. And oftentimes vets are frustrated because these people, of course, ultimately because they're passionate about dogs and other animals, they want to have the dog. But they can't because this dog is out of control. They can't get the muzzle on. And they also have to, especially I would say like the head vets, have to think about the safety of his staff, the of liability. Course. They're not needle cushions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they go they go to work in the morning to help dogs, not to get bitten. Exactly. It shouldn't be part of the job description that yeah, you, if you're working as a vet tech, you're supposed to take bite. No. <laughs> and leading back to the example you gave with Aaron's dog with Chewy loving. 
the basket muzzle or, or loving the relationship between basket the basket muzzle and going for a walk and a positive association and his reward how he was rewarded for it again this is an example of knowing when to use positive versus negative reinforcement yeah, if you just slap a muzzle on a dog and, and say okay you have to wear this of course the dog spends every second that he can raise a foot in trying to pull it off yeah, but I want to shift the topic a bit. I'd like to hear your view on use of both positive and negative reinforcement because a lot of people often think that unless you're positive only, you only use negative and compulsive training to get it out no, to yourself. <laughs> what, what those guys don't understand is that 98% of what we do it's positive. is positive reinforcement. And even if we use a a, um, a pinch collar or, or an e collar, mm. you see it with force. If I if I put the pinch collar on him, he's excited. He's actually not waiting for me to open it up so I can put it around his neck. He's trying to stick his head through it because he associates it. Oh, we we train him. He's getting yeah. super excited. Same for the e collar. I can barely fasten the buckle because he keeps moving and he's like, "Let's go, let's go, let's go," because he's getting excited. Why? Because it's at a level that he can barely make out. It's just like an it's just like another leash. You know, if I put if I put the same level on on me, I can barely feel it. It is just a reminder that no, I said to come to me. You know, and then he comes, and it, it it's gotten to the point where I don't have to press anything when I call him, because he just comes flying. So it's, so it's hardly used. He might wear it. He might wear it for a training session or two training sessions or three training sessions. And it might get used once in three training sessions. The rest of the time I have no need to, but it's there. It's a tool. And those guys believe that we crank it all the way up yeah. and light up the dogs and, and, and yank really hard on the pinch collar and Instead of a little top, hey, no, heel. They, they always believe that if you use this tool, you're automatically abusing. Yeah, a lot of And people, that's just stupid. A lot of people have no idea what it actually feels like. And for those of you out there, I have a bit of a funny story. So, I was curious when I was a bit younger on what it felt like, what the prong color felt like, and what the e color felt like. Because I wanted, uh, well, I would say when I was young, I was always curious how dogs see and feel things from their perspective. So I tried them out to myself, as crazy as that would sound, and as much as parents would hear and be like, oh my gosh. But I was fine. It didn't hurt me. The pinch collar just felt, I would say, exactly. It pinched? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't break my skin. And not only that, dogs' skin. It's, it's, a little, it's a little tougher, yeah, because I have the hair on top of it. Exactly. Too. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. It's not the same thing as you getting electrocuted. Well, I shouldn't say electrocuted, but you getting shocked. It's not the same thing. No, it's, it's, it's like when you go to physiotherapy and I put yeah. the two electrodes on you and t tell me when it tingles. Yeah. It, it's called tense current, right? Yeah. That is what's being used in those collars. Yeah, exactly. It's minimal. It's not a transformer on the outside that, you know, gives yeah. you a 220. It's, it's not like it's generational uh, ones. No, right. at all. They have made such strides in it. 
you know and they're so finely adjustable and, and uh, again it's it's a tool mm-hmm. you can misuse any tool somebody cruelty relies within the character of the person well is he trainer or owner or handler whoever handles the dog at the mm-hmm. time right if a person is inclined to be cruel they will be cruel with a leash and a flat collar true because it's in their nature to be cruel it doesn't matter what they have in their hands they will be cruel okay and to paint everybody with a broad brush like that and say if you use any of those tools you're automatically a cruel person and an asshole it's like okay yeah swipe <laughs> right i don't i don't even entertain it anymore because i have dealt with some dogs that they would probably if they're in front of that dog the same people who say those things they probably need a diaper check yeah right because they're cropping their pants if they have to deal with that dog or one of those dogs i've come across some pretty intense dogs and so you know you can't feed your your way out of that all these people that want to preach and even condemn people for not being positive only they have not most of the time if you question them if you ask them for proof they cannot show you a case of where they've dealt with a truly aggressive no. dog they just recently put out a, a video right but it's dogs in a shelter that are aggressive behind a gate that is barrier aggression they're really afraid same, if you if you take that dog out of out of that kennel it's a different dog yeah and there's no deg- aggression gone but then we'll say oh yeah we cured it it shows the easiest right? piece to show yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm just laughing I'm just laughing my head off right and I like there's a trainer in the UK that still has I think it's 20 or 30,000 pound challenge that if you can take his dog out of the crate and do two laps in the car park you get you get 20,000 pounds that's um black crack no, it's no. obsidian. Oh, obsidian. Yeah. Can I, yeah. Right? If you take his dog out of the crate and do two laps in the car park, you get twenty thousand pounds. And nobody has taken him up on it. Why is that? Because they know they can't do yeah. it. They exactly. know they can't do it. He deals with pretty intense dogs, and he himself calls the dog an asshole. Right? It's a difficult dog. It's a very aggressive dog. And he has invited people. He even said, "I pay your ticket." Come here and take this dog out, and all you have to do is walk this dog. Yeah, he's you don't have to even incentive. you don't even have to train it. You just have to walk him two laps in the car park. If you do that, this is the the cash pot is yours. And nobody took him up on it, and it's a challenge he has out there for what, two years now. Yeah, which goes to show you. Yeah, it's it's all BS. You know, there's there's a number of people that have taken those studies and surveys and then and picked them apart for what they were. Right? Not real studies. And then you have to follow the money. It's all clickbait. All those posts are clickbait for likes and controversy Engagement, because yeah. there no controversy gets pushed by the algorithm and they get more followers and gets more people more disagree likes. and yes, comment. Yes, and, yeah. yes. It's all about that. That's why they're so busy putting out video after video, condemning everybody else that is not like them, right? 
and they they have the only magic pill and everybody else is just abusive and an asshole while they're raking in the money that's the real reason behind it right and they're not showing any work they're not showing how they're dealing with a truly aggressive dog because they can't they simply can't now i'm not saying there are some purely positive trainers that are really good right there was there was one on on um a podcast with ivan right susan garrett she has chosen not to do something 30 years ago right to work without corrections but she will admit it took her 30 years to get there yeah right because she had to find workarounds that take weeks and months that somebody else does in two days okay but she has decided that's what she wants to do and she has become really good at it and she's a, a multiple world champion and mind you it's also in a in a category of dog sport where there is no it's all forward movement so there is no corrections necessary right which is agility there's no there's no reason for corrections because you want the dog to get over the obstacle that is the that is the only goal is for the dog to get through this obstacle course of course everything is positive <laughs> yeah right trying to get him to go through because you don't want to slow down the dog you want to make him faster fast right yeah. It's just it's more harness and you drive. Yeah, it would be it would be different if much more different if if she would take a a, a really dominant rod while I'm trying to do shotsunt with it. Totally different. Right? <laughs> Then some of those methods would go out of the window so and and it's like yeah. yeah. Good. But it's totally different but when I, you're not bored. But for I have example. I have a tremendous amount of respect for what what she has accomplished. And she admitted she had one dog where she knew the use of an e-collar would be the best thing and she couldn't give the dog any freedom because it it would not recall when when she calls it if there is some wildlife around and so she gave the dog to somebody else because uh, she could not solve that problem She's one of the few within that that would actually admit that Yeah right everybody else says oh there's never a need for any corrections and there's never a need for anything ding 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 yeah They they trained the 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 dolphins with clickers and food, yeah. After you take it out of its environment, stuff it in a mm-hmm. tank that is way too small, not feed it for three days, and yeah, and then you offer it some food if it gives you a behavior and you go click, here's your hearing and call it positive, right? There's nothing positive about that. That is cruelty, right? See if you can do that with a dolphin in the wild. Or see if you can do this with a killer whale out in the in the wild. Mm, definitely not. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then they want to. It's not that I'm calling these trainers cruel, mm-hmm. right? There are some some very good trainers that have worked with whales and and so forth, but the whole concept of it is not force free, right? Yeah, they're using food as a positive reinforcement to train those animals, but the fact that they're in a tank. doesn't make it force free. Exactly. Right? That in itself shows that it's not force free. So but I'm I'm just you know, I like the swipe feature a lot. 
So every time they, they show up in, in my Hater, yeah. every time they come, they come in, they come in my feed, swipe. I'm no longer going down that rabbit hole because you can't talk to these people. They're not ready to talk. They're not ready to. Not open-minded. At all. Or willing They're to blindly regurgitating what somebody else said. Yeah, because they don't have their own opinion or can't form their own. No, they're just blindly yeah. following everything, and most of them are not even trainers. No, but they want to speak like if they're trainers. Yeah. Some of them, a lot of them don't even own a dog. <laughs> they just jump on a bandwagon and, yeah, this is bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> because somebody else says it's bad. Critical thinking switched off. And so I'm not, I'm not, as I said, I'm not going down a rabbit hole anymore. I just swipe, block, mm. right? I have enough work. And there's this new. There's I have this enough new work on my plate not to, not to engage with that anymore. It, it's it's just too it, it's too tedious. Then there's this new trend in the force free community of using quote unquote gentle leaders. Oh yeah, the not so gentle leaders. Yeah, and people yeah. then people use the wrong size, and then it cuts the gum. And yeah, yeah, it, it's it yanks the whole head. Yeah, yeah, and then they go dog has to go to the chiropractor afterwards to get a realignment because. The dog decided to go after the cat and shot forward and his whole head was yanked around. Yeah, which is more dangerous than a simple it's color. It's just all BS. You know, it's just all BS. If you apply some common sense, 98, 99% remains positive and then there's the odd correction for something really bad. And, you know, we're just going to move on. That's all. I was around when the first e-collars came out clad in leather right I saw those I felt that that was different that was different yeah people want to compare <laughs> that, was, that and there was no you couldn't adjust it either it was just one strength and that was yeah. blast right that is different but we have come so far away from that you know so long ago it's not just recent it's, they have evolved so quickly and it's just people just use that argument to make money it is it's just, that's all it is that's all it is you know it's, it's so even based on logic, follow if you so follow yeah. the, if you follow the money yeah that yeah. that's all it is it's about advertising mm-hmm. to get advertisers to get likes to get followers sponsors sponsor that's all it is about this is not about the dog this is not about helping dogs one of the main people his dog is as neurotic as it was when it was a puppy and it's four years old and it's still terrified to go into mm-hmm. any park where they have dogs and acts out aggressively and bites other dogs because so in four years he couldn't fix that what are those in four years and you and the dog is hiding under a bench and it's all she feels more comfortable under the bench. No, the dog is hiding. The dog is hiding from other dogs because she's petrified, producing cortisol like a champion. And you call yourself force-free? The dog stressed no ass. But you call that force-free? Nah. That's BS. That is BS. That dog could living the best could be living the best life, not being afraid of every dog that runs around. And and be a lot more social and not stressed. Right? But he wouldn't let it happen, and so I can't. I can't talk to people like that. I, I'm sorry. I just can't. There, there, there's something in my brain that just doesn't take to that. And then what a lot of people Four online years? 
But a lot of people online forget, and it's often not their fault, it's just the way social media works, is that a lot of these trainers and pages, ultimately, it's a business. Of course. So the more controversial they are, the more likes and clicks, the more people will view and then view the ads, the more they get paid. So they encourage rather than educating. Yeah, and they being, want to gaslight everybody. And, be, and being honest. Yeah. And, and they have their trolls that support the page. Their whole job. I almost say it's called. And, they're, and they're paid. Yeah. And there are some people that are actually paid to do this, right? Mm-hmm. To be as controversial as possible mm-hmm. and to on their thread mm-hmm. so that the page gets the views. Yeah. Okay, so it's just a, a spiral. At the end of the day, I don't have time for this. I have dogs in front of me that I have to deal with. And train, yeah. And I'm spending my energy on that. I'm no longer responding to this. I'm no longer engaging them. It's just a colossal waste of time. And I'm not putting any more money in their pocket. True, I agree. By reading all that garbage. You know, and there will be in the future there will be a lot more blocks flying out. <laughs> yeah. We've so that so that so that it so that blogs. it doesn't show up in my feed anymore. I, I'm I'm just tired of it. This is it's too time consuming to even think about. Definitely. Yeah? But I mean we have to speak up. Of course. The rest of us. So that it's not not so only I'm one side of the argument, so yeah. that other opinions are being heard. Right? And I'm also toying with the idea of becoming a member of the International Association of Professional. What is it? I, it's an international organization of dog professionals. And so that we give them more of a voice. Yeah, of course, because. To, to combat all of that. Trainers like you around the world right now are. Uh, Having their voices silent. I don't want to say just silence, but no, they're trying. They're trying. They're trying. But they by demonizing everybody that's not them. Right. You know who tried that the last time? Who? Hitler. Oh. <laughs> right. What an example. Yeah. yeah, but it's true. And then he's demonize propaganda. demonize the other side, right? And if propaganda. you're not if you're not with me, you're the enemy, right? Yeah. Good. That is what they're doing. That is what they're doing. And they believe that they invented this shit. Yeah. No. There's there has been people that did this before. Of course. Right? And you know. And oftentimes you would see you would see clients, former clients of these trainers posting on social media that when they finally went by When they went to another trainer, yeah. all of a sudden they got results like that. They got that. results. And they right? were and lasting results too. They'd often complain how traumatized and neurotic the dogs were. Because of your previous trainer. Yeah. Yeah, you see it all the time, right? Went to two force free trainers. So sad. Two force free trainers before. It's so sad. And the kind of things that anything from from you know if he stops growling, just give him a cookie. To Yeah, this dog needs to be on psychotropic drugs and walk around like a zombie. <laughs> what? Never used that in my life. For for a dog? No. Just I'm not saying that in some dogs that have really, really bad separation anxiety, Prozac wouldn't help. It has shown to help but in about fifty percent of the cases, right? At least initially. But outside of that, there is no need for this. That is just 
you know, I'm incompetent, so this dog either needs to get put down or it needs to be on meds. Or it has to go to a shelter. Right now, the shelter is overflowing because of that Globally, same, yeah. yeah, because of that same nonsense. You know, so it is what it is. Don't want to spend any more time on <laughs> on, on, the, on their BS. So yeah, good convo. Check out our website, dogpoint.pet. Dogpoint.pet. All the links are on there to all of our social media pages, to the free consultations, the paid consultations, breed um, breed selection consultations. We have newsletter there. We have blogs there. There's tons of information. The link to our Amazon storefront is there. Check out what we have there. The iFeed Raw t-shirt designed by Michael here. Link in bio. And um, yeah, 